Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we are actually going to be a writer in a dancer's body. We're talking about an emotional issue having to do with Valerie's Valerina studying Valerina. Got a couple of books, so they can do one. Before we get to her, she's opening in the queue. Let's talk about what's the stick going on. So, we've got something going on uh, this um, this Saturday. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about what's going on on Friday. Phoenix Jam Fest is on Friday. It starts on Friday and goes until Sunday. And now it's going to be in Glendale. Also, Mason Second Friday is on Friday. I know. Kind of had to do with Friday. <laughs> and that's going to be a lot of uh, artists in one weekend, you know. Uh, to make second Friday as well as at FanFest. Pretty crazy. Lots of stuff to do. Also on Friday and Saturday is going to be Glendale Winter Wonderland. Right downtown Glendale. And on 13th on Saturday, starting at noon to 2.30... Be our good friend T.M. Williams is going to be a Central Library Marketing class and signing of her The Good, The Bad, The Ugly of Sales and Marketing. Has to do with her book that she just got out, and uh, we're excited to help her out. We're going to be out there helping with the projector and taking information and definitely helping out whatever possible doing registration. And so that's at the Central Library, and that's right downtown Phoenix. More information? You know where to find me, I think. I would think you know where to find me by now. But if not, I'll definitely put it up in chat. So that's what we have going on. Well, you know, honestly, next Wednesday, well, on Sunday, we're going to have the next space show. I know we didn't have it last Sunday, and because Sam got... Uh, got sick and looked like he had laryngitis for a while, just, you know, for a few days. So uh, we just kind of hang him back on that one. On Wednesday, the 17th from 8 to 10, the Hey Girls Americana Show. And that's going to be in Tempe. And that is on Mill, uh, yeah, Mill Avenue. And that is the Time Out Lounge on Mill Avenue. Great people out there. 
Then on Thursday the 18th from 6.30 to 8.30, meet us on out at Queen's Pizzeria, right downtown Mesa, for the Creative Culture Third Thursday. We'll have a Christmas party as well. So, uh, again, open. It's open for anybody. Come on over if you're creative, which is almost everybody in the world. <laughs> Come on out. Check us Check us out. Check us you know, find out more about the community around you, the creative community around you, okay? And then on 19th and 20th, Glendale has another thing going on. Glendale's this happening place. Glendale Spirit of Giving Weekend. And of course, that's going into the holidays. Ta-da! The holidays. So we're trying to get our chat open here so we can share some things with you. But we got, I believe we have got Greyer on the line, and we'll definitely, hmm, let me move this and try this again. Looks like we're having a loading component issue for the chat. But uh, Grier Cooper began ballet lessons at age five and left home at 14 to study at the School of American Ballet in New York. She has performed on three out of seven continents with companies such as San Francisco Ballet, Miami City Ballet, and Pacific Northwest Ballet, totaling more than 30 years of experience as a dancer, teacher, and performer. Her work has been praised as poignant and honest with the emotional hooks that penetrate deeply. She writes and blogs about dance in the San Francisco Bay Area and has interviewed and been photographed, has interviewed and photographed a diverse collection, dancers and performers, including Clive Olin, you know him, he's like on the movies, and Nicole Kidman, Ben Allen Timms, and Jessica I sure, sure hope I got that. Suda, whatever, whatever her name is. She is the author. Uh, I'm talking about Greg Cooper is the author of Build a Ballerina Body and Daily Book of Photography. She now has a book out called Wish. It's extremely touching, and it's got an interview. Uh, actually, it's got a review out from the author of Sugarless Plum. Ballerina Dreams, an extremely touching, heartfelt, and often humorous account of a young woman's journey to her to live her passion, which reminds us that despite our obstacles, we can live to to life, live the life we dream, and won't be able to put it. And she wasn't able to put it down, so we're excited to talk to you right now, and we're going to bring it on. Are you there? I am. Hi, PJ. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you, you list, you, were you listening to introductions? I heard the tail end of them, yes. I sure hope I got uh, Jessica's name right, because I think I really butchered it. <laughs> That's fine. It's Jessica Seda. She was with the Pussycat Seda. Dolls. They were a very famous pop ah. band for a while there. Yeah, I know Pussycat Dolls. I just didn't know Jessica mm-hmm. herself. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you are in San Francisco. I am. And uh, that's really, it's a nice area. Uh, 
California, of course, and you're right up against the bay, and this is probably pretty nice today. It's relatively warm, and uh, having grown up in the east, I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, we've had a little bit of rain, which we've needed for a very long time. But in general, it's a very temperate climate. Awesome. I have my yeah. brother. My brother. My brother works and lives in San Francisco, so uh, oh, I, so then, I get over there. Get over there once in a while. Yeah, it's a wonderful city. There's a lot to find. Lots of little hidden nooks and crannies, and uh, probably one of the most beautiful and traveled cities in the world. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to go backwards here a little bit and and talk briefly about your other books, and then move into your new one. As your author of two other books, and so Bill Day, Ballerina Body, and The Daily Book of Photography, obviously two different kinds of books. Mm-hmm. What got you? What got you into wanting to do those time, those kind of books for you before you got into something else? Well, interestingly enough, I have a background in both of those subjects. My ballet career encompassed really the beginning of my life through my early twenties. And after that, I went back to school and um, eventually started working as a commercial photographer. And I did that for about 15 years through my 20s and 30s, and then started writing after that. So it may not seem like the most intuitive progression, um, but (laughs) (laughs) I do have experience in all of them, and they all are probably equal passions. There you go. And then and that really is what it's all about is about the passion that you have behind your work. Exactly. Now Wish is an interesting name. It's an interesting title. Tell us how mm-hmm. that came to came to you start working on that one. Well, uh wishes are something I've thought about uh quite a bit. Um just the what is the power of a wish? When we send a thought out into the world or a prayer out into the world, what happens to it? How does it become a reality? And um, that's just been kind of an interest or a philosophical pursuit for some time. And it seemed very fitting for this particular story as well because the main character has this huge wish and yet there are all these obstacles and other things pulling her attention. And so we wonder, will she get that wish? Will it happen or not? And that's really what drives this story. Hmm. And you started writing this when? I started writing it probably five years ago and wrote a first draft and then spent some time editing it. And as you may or may not know, a first draft is very rarely even close to what a finished product looks like. And it does take quite a bit of time to refine it and polish it, maybe fix up some holes in the plot or add some some scenes to create tension where there isn't enough. Um, so it's it's definitely a process from start to finish. Wow. Um, th- this book is set in and around your ball- uh, ballet studio. And obviously, you know a lot about that. I do. Uh, <laughs> and it says, what do you know about ballet? I'm going like, well, of course you know enough about ballet. 
<laughs> well, I could I could give you the reader's digest version of what I know. Um, I began taking dance classes when I was five. It was not my idea. I was not one of those kids who dreamed of becoming a ballerina. In fact, it was more the opposite. I used to hide in the closet and hope my mom would forget about me and I wouldn't have to go. But wow. once <laughs> once I started to get into it and realized that I would have to go, I found a lot of joy there. Um, it's fun to, you know, learn the big jumps and and refine your movements and I had a really wonderful first teacher but it wasn't really until I was 10 and had my first professional performing experience where I really began to get serious about it and then from there I eventually ended up um, attending the School of American Ballet in New York which was started by George Balanchine and I studied there a number of years and then went on to dance professionally with San Francisco Ballet and the other companies that she mentioned. So all told, the ballet probably was at least a couple decades of my life. Wow. And so here you didn't even like it when you were little. When did you start? <laughs> when, when did you start really, you know, kind of grasping that hey, this is something you wanted to do? Well, when I was 10, I had my first performing experience, and I was a dancer in a local theater production, and that went for 12 weeks, and I got a paycheck, and it was really exciting to actually be on a real stage and have a live audience and perform night after night after night. And I remember feeling incredibly sad on the last night when I saw them Mm -hmm. beginning to dismantle all the sets and props and things. And I just really felt like there was something very magical. I really felt called to to be a performer. And then a couple of years later, my first ballet teacher told me that she felt it was time for me to give it a try and uh, audition for the School of American Ballet. And, uh, you know, I was serious and decided to take her advice and do that. Well, definitely, you must have been good at it. Does somebody recognize you for your talent? Well, you know, getting into the School of American Ballet is a feat in and of itself. However, not everybody who gets into that school ends up having a professional career. Um, there's a lot of work involved, maybe some luck. Um, I don't know, but I was able to be selected to be in the school and to perform professionally. So I feel like I had definitely reached a high caliber that not everybody is able to achieve. Definitely. And, you know, something I wanted to do when I was little was a ballerina. Really? Um, Yeah, that that and a princess, so. (laughs) Excellent. Well, you can do both in certain ballets, you know. <laughs> well, I did take dance, but I, but I was, uh, you know, that's not that gifted on that. But I, I definitely, you know, I, I write about being a, a princess now. So you see, that's how it works. <laughs> great, great, yes, following your passions. Now you say that wish is something that young readers should should really get into. Why is that? Well, overall, I think this is a coming of age story. So whether or not you relate to the circumstances of growing up in a dysfunctional family, I think every young person can relate to a story of somebody having a big dream. 
and the kind of work and sacrifice it takes to achieve that dream. And I feel like the teen years are also a time of tremendous transition and change where you're figuring out who you are in the world, who you want to be in the world, maybe finding your voice. And essentially, wish is a story of self-empowerment. And I think that's a really important message for young people today to feel like they can have more control over what their lives look like. Yeah, that's and uh, really go for what they're passionate about. That's right. Exactly. Now, your other two books were nonfiction, and this is definitely a fiction. How Mm -hmm. was it to transition from one to the other? Well, writing is writing, essentially. Um, I think that you either have that gift or you don't. Um, For me, I really found I enjoy and now prefer fiction just because there's a lot more creative license in terms of the way that a book is structured. And it's really fun to create characters and a whole world, and you can be very descriptive and just play more with language than you can when you're doing something more nonfiction or technical. So how long did it take you to write the fiction story? Well, the first draft probably took the better part of a year, but I wrote it while I was juggling a lot of other projects including some of the nonfiction titles that we were already discussing. So, as I said, first draft is just one small piece, and I probably spent the next, I don't know, several months editing and then kind of put it away for a little while. Um, Sometimes it helps to give yourself space from a manuscript and then come back to it with fresh eyes. And it's amazing um, what a little time away from something can do and what you notice that you hadn't noticed previously. So that was certainly the case when I I came back to it. Yeah. (laughs) I tell people all the time, you know, don't be in such a hurry, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Set the manuscript aside for a couple months because when you go back, you'll see things and, and, and actually make it into an even better book. Exactly. Well, I think that's always the goal is to put your very best work out there. And um, it's it's a lengthy process, as I'm sure you already know. And it's not usually something you can accomplish without help from other people. That's what I've found as well. Um, I've been lucky enough to find a writer's group of other women who write in my genre, and it's been incredibly helpful to get there insight and their opinions and sometimes they ask questions and I go wow I never thought about that but yeah you're right I need to think about that and add a little piece to cover that part so yeah definitely I, I'm a big advocate on, on writers groups um, mm-hmm. that's for, the, for the, new, the new author they should do that you know uh, again it helps them to learn a little more about their craft and still mm-hmm. see things from a whole new light, but thinking from other other person's point of view. Right. Well, and others can also point out, you know, what works, what doesn't work, um, mm-hmm. whether a dialogue is believable or not, or whether they are confused over certain things. Because sometimes as writers, we feel like it should be totally clear and we're making sense, but then the reader goes, I have no clue what you're talking about. 
So I think it is important to get that input before you put it out in the world. Definitely. So what do you wish for this book? Well, I, of course, wish that it reaches the target readership and that people come away with a feeling of hope um, and an understanding of some of the main messages I still are in the book. Um, And also a better understanding of the ballet world and what it's like and what kind of sacrifices dancers make. It seems like these days there's a huge amount of interest in dance of all forms. And I think it's really fascinating for people. So, yeah, I think just a little bit of entertainment and hopefully some core support in terms of how they can empower themselves. Yes, it's, it's always good to have, especially for that particular age group that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Is there another book coming up after this in the same type of story? Yes. Actually, this is a planned trilogy, and okay. the story arcs throughout the trilogy will follow the path of a dancer, beginning at first ballet studio through being a professional ballet student all the way into life in a professional ballet company. So readers will really get the full journey of what that looks like. Hmm. I know a lot of writers who who wind up making one of the main characters wind up being a lot like them. Which one, if if you have one, which one would be most like you? (laughs) Um... It's funny. I don't know that I'm necessarily the most like any of them. I'm, I think I'm a little of a lot of them. Um, certainly I have some of Indigo's sensitivity and determination and some of Miss Roberta's perfectionist tendencies and drive. And <laughs> then there are parts of other characters I wish I had more of. Like Indigo's best friend Monique is very laid back and has, you know, just a really um, quick-witted humor. Um, And Mm -hmm. Indigo's love interest also just is very kind of carefree. And um, so I think I'm a little of all of them and and then some of what I wish I could be more of. (laughs) (laughs) And you chose the name Indigo Savings. That's an interesting name. How did you come about that? Well, there's a story behind that. The name Indigo is actually a name I've carried with me for some time. It was the name of a prior business. But um, most recently, I've been working at a summer camp as a counselor. Uh, My daughter and I go to the summer camp, and we have for the last five years. And the first year I arrived for training, they said, okay, everybody has to pick a secret identity. You need a different name, although it was never quite explain to us why, but uh, we all had to choose a name, and it couldn't be a name that anyone else was using or that had been used before, and luckily Indigo was available. So that is my camp name, and it's kind of funny when I see other people from camp out in the world, and we don't know what to call each other other than our secret identities. 
<laughs> so as a character as a character, uh did, mm-hmm. what did you like about about her and what did you dislike? I like that she's passionate about what she's doing and I like that she's willing to take risks. Sometimes I feel like she's waiting too long to to take action. You know, it's mm-hmm. interesting that she doesn't confide in her friends until later in the book and things really escalate and she's kind of trying to keep it all bottled up inside. But I felt like that was a necessary part of the story because that's really what happens in alcoholic families in particular. You know, there's the don't ask, don't tell, you kind of sweep it under the carpet and and make it look like everything's fine to the outside world. And um, it's not a comfortable way to live, um, but it is the reality for a lot of families going through those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to talk, to talk about your writing and, and some things that you've got going on there. Before I do that, okay. I just want to remind everyone, that, hey, you know, I don't need to keep her all to myself. How you doing? <laughs> you can call and you can call in and ask questions or just make comments. Seven one four two four two five one four five. That's seven one four two four two five one four five. So I wanted to talk about your writing. Sure. Uh, do you have do you have family? Are they supporting you in this writing? Yes, they are. You know, it's really prompted some very interesting dialogue because as I mentioned before, I wrote this character and she's growing up in an alcoholic family and I also grew up in those circumstances. And there are long-term implications of growing up in those kind of patterns. And I had a number of dialogues with my brothers. I have three younger brothers. And I kind of had to call them as I was writing the book to ask them sometimes, did this happen this way or... You know, what do you remember? What was what were things like after you know my mother went through rehab? Um, because I wasn't at home and they were. Um, so it's been it's been very cathartic, I think, for my family. And that came as a bit of a surprise, um, particularly recently. Um, I dedicated the book to my father, and he just called me the other day because he had finished reading it, and uh, I think he got a lot out of the story. And we had a great talk about, you know, just what it was like to go through all the things we've gone through and how we feel like it's really an accomplishment that our family was able to heal from this. Yeah. That's that's great because, you know, that's... uh, (laughs) That means it was really meant for you to write it and that you were able to get all that out. That's awesome. Mm. Have your family out. So, uh, did you... Uh, did you go through the self-publishing route, or did you try to go through a uh, big publisher and, and just didn't have any uh, bites on it, or what's, what happened there? Well, initially, I thought I would work the traditional publishing route, and I actually never submitted directly to publishing houses. I directed them to agents, mm-hmm. and I did have a number of agents who were interested, but never to the point where they were like, yes, I want to take on this project. And I just began to realize that the publishing world 
has changed so much. And mm-hmm. I really feel like it's a vi- an ideal time to be a writer. We have so much available to us in terms of technology to create our works and the distribution channels to get it directly to readers. And I no longer feel like traditional publishing is the only route or even the best route because essentially a writer is their own brand. You know, they're not buying the book because um, Penguin published it or whoever published it. They're buying the book because they are buying that author. They like the way that that author writes. And I realized after a time that the timeline in traditional publishing is also quite lengthy. And yeah. I, I kind of link, I, I kind of liken it to self-publishing is, is like you're in a Zodiac boat and traditional large publishing houses are like the Titanic. And I'm, I'm realizing <laughs> as I'm going through the process of self-publishing how much I really enjoy it. First of all, because of the relationships that you create with all different creative people and the people out there who are blogging and designers and, you know, people like yourself who are spreading the word about interesting things that are happening. Um, And I also like having the creative control over what the cover looks like, over, you know, what the end product is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've found that indie publishing is really a wonderful world where people are very giving with information and you can find a lot of help and support. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you that it's, it's definitely an interesting time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, <laughs> that you say is a book in everyone. Uh, yeah. I think that that's, that's, that's definitely true. There's just everyone, everyone has a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's just it's better to help to get help to say it. Sometimes they just don't quite have you know don't know how to say what they need to bring what they need to get out. But sure. I, I also find that that it's a great therapy. <laughs> oh, it is. You know, and yeah. and even for people who want to write a book but maybe don't know how to go about it, there are a number of resources. You know, like I write for children and so there's the children's book writers and illustrators group. Um, you know, there's classes everywhere. Um, there's there's so many online resources and there are things like the National Novel Writing Month. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it happens every month in November. It's an online worldwide resource that helps people to get a novel out during the month of November. Um, and I did that last year, and it was really great. So I recommend it highly. Wow. Yeah, yeah I definitely think that, you know, finding your right, uh, writing group that mm-hmm. that kind of writes the same things you do does help. Exactly. Yeah, because, you know, they're familiar with the genre. They're familiar with the way things ought to be structured. Um, You know, whether something is quick-paced enough for your audience, if it's going, you know, if if it's going to work for your intended audience. And there are certain key elements that are different from genre to genre. And uh, so, yes, you do need to find people who are writing the same type of things that you are. 
So once you uh, said, you know, I'm going to go for this, and, and you published it, what was the biggest fear that you had? My biggest fear? Uh, that no one would buy it <laughs> or that I get horrible reviews, you know, like uh, because, you know, you no, that's not, a lot every, of... Every writer's I, fear there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think we all go through it. You know, We, we feel some days like, oh, this is, this is pretty good. And then the next day you're like, oh, my God, it's terrible. I'm terrible, you know, and you kind of go... It's very difficult to be um, clear on, on your own talents and merits um and and i think we're also our own worst critics so there's that hmm. definitely um and where do you you know i know everybody has their favorite places that they feel comfortable writing some people have a couple mm-hmm. favorite places but you know it's like a room or you know outside of your part your place or you know a coffee shop where where is it that you feel comfortable writing well, I write most of my work these days at home, and I have everything set up the way I like. I'm a very visual person, so I create vision boards for all of my books mm. before I begin writing, and I have those hanging next to my desk. And every now and then I'll look over at them and look at the faces of the characters and look at the setting pictures and, you know, kind of keeps it alive for me. But I'm also a mom, which means I kind of wear a lot of hats and I juggle a lot of responsibilities Mm -hmm. and there are times where I've got to be here, there and everywhere and so I drag my laptop with me and I, you know, kind of set it up in a corner while my daughter's having a cello lesson or I, you know, go down to a coffee shop before I pick her up from school. So it really just depends on the day. Now, I noticed your your cover, definitely an indigo color. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with the idea of of the cover? Well, initially I knew I wanted a dancer on the cover. Mm -hmm. And because I have the experience as a commercial photographer, I decided I wanted to create those images myself, Um, especially since I knew that there were going to be three books. I wanted to shoot all of those photographs simultaneously with the same person so that there would be continuity among the books. Yeah. Yeah. And from there, I found a designer. I found her online through one of the lovely indie publishing resources, and I just really loved her work. And I sent her the original photos and some ideas from covers I'd seen that I really liked, and we kind of talked about it, and she sort of, um, you know, filtered the photo, worked with it in Photoshop, and then added in all these elements. And um, I really loved it. Terrific. Are you working on your second book right now? Yes, I am. And when when can we expect to see something coming from you on that one? I am hoping for um, a summer release for that one. Mm-hmm. Maybe late July. That's, that's the project I have in mind at this time. Great. Well, yeah, there's always a you have uh, some kind of a date in mind that gets you a good goal to go to, to go out exactly. Yeah. exactly. Deadlines really help. It's amazing what anyone can accomplish when you set your mind to it, but you've got to have that goal first, otherwise you kind of wander aimlessly, you know. So if somebody wants to try to get a hold of you, uh, you have a website. Mm-hmm. So I tell do. us how to, how, to, how to find you. 
Well, uh, best way is probably through my website, which is greercooper.com. And it's got contact information there, and that's where my blog lives. And it's got all kinds of information about books and wonderful resources about dance and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. So if you look for my name on Facebook, you'll find me there. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Pinterest. And I'm on LinkedIn. So everyone knows that uh, her website actually is right on the information about the show. So, you know, definitely get on there and, yeah, I think you either can click it or copy and paste that into your yeah. browser and go right to her. Yeah, so, stop on by. So, well, now, now, we know, now we know what you have coming up, and, and, and it's awesome. Are you still working with your writer's group on the second book? Yeah, I've been working with this group now for two and a half years. I feel incredibly wow. lucky to have found them. And, yeah, <laughs> it's it's really cool to watch everybody's progression. Yes, yeah. So, what else do you do outside of you know, you know writing you and dancing? And obviously, you have a family. I uh, do. Any other interests you have? Probably too many. Maybe that's the curse of being a Gemini <laughs> if you're into astrology at all. But yeah, I mean, I love hiking and running. Um, I travel. I practice yoga, meditation when I can remind myself to do that. Um, and I'm also kind of a crafty person. I love knitting, crochet, um, drawing, all kinds of different art. That probably relaxes yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to do something that's not in front of a screen. <laughs> you know, you got to take a break from time to time. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, I have a question that I always ask my, uh, especially the fiction authors who I have uh, on the show with me. Okay. And it's, um, there's no right and wrong answer. It all has to do with your personality and what your answer. Because nobody has the same answer. Okay. So the, so the question is, now that you have successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? How will I celebrate? Well... Actually, we kind of already did. It, it was great. Uh, my husband took me out to dinner the day that we released the book. And we just went downtown where I live. And he brought the book with us. And we had some champagne. And he set the book up on the table so we could look at it while we had our like fantastic meal. My daughter was there also. And the restaurant we chose was this great place that always kind of does this over-the-top Victorian Christmas decor inside. So that made it feel extra wow. celebratory. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrific. That's terrific. Yeah. Um, I, is there anything else you want to share about your book? Well, I just hope that readers enjoy it and and look for the next one soon. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great to meet you um, again. You know, I, I don't meet very many ballerinas, so definitely a thrill to be able to, to talk to somebody about their dancing passion. And here you okay. you've written about it, so that's that's even better. Yeah, um, I wish you I wish you all the luck on, on getting these these books out to more people. And if you um, have the Build a Ballerina Body and the Daily Book of Photography, where do we find those at? Those are available on Amazon. Awesome. 
So, yeah. in other words, just in other words, people just find her name, and uh, I, I believe that you probably you probably have all your books attached to you as the author, correct? I do, yes. Very good, very good. Some people are like what? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. you need to you need to learn. So. <laughs> so, so in this case she knows and she definitely has attached herself to her work so uh, you know find her name and then be able to find her work on Amazon and you know give, get, definitely share it that's the season of sharing so do so <laughs> I like it I like it well, thank you so much Thank you. Thank you for coming on and, and talking to us. And we will, and uh, again, best of luck. When you get your second book out, let me know. Okay? I will definitely do that, PJ. Thank you so much, and happy holidays to you. Thank you. All right. Take care. That was Grier and a lovely lady, as you can see in her pictures on the front of my show. I think that's awesome. And again, I was what we grew up wanting to be a ballerina once upon a time out of ballerina doll and uh you know, uh we all we all grew up wanting to be certain something and she definitely made that happen. It's funny. She didn't want to be a ballerina at first, but she grew into it. That's awesome. And I guess you know, a lot of girls would like to be a ballerina, uh, or something of dancing. And uh, I think that this is definitely the type of book that uh, would definitely touch a lot of young girls. And, and you know, honestly, it doesn't even matter to have to be girls because, honestly, there's a lot of a lot of boys who have the same issues with family and whatnot. And really, that's what it's all about. Not so much the dancing, but but about the, the family and being able to get around that and, and, you know, take something that you love and becoming passionate about it. As you know, uh, having hopefully listened to our show enough, um, or if you're new listening to your show, uh, that's really what it's all about to me, is talking to creative people about their passions on our show, KWAT Radio. I am here for you guys to, you know, definitely get a hold of me if you have a book, or if you have a movie, or anything creative that you are into and passionate about, let me know. Um, I'll be setting up. I'm not going to be doing any more shows for the rest of this year, well, as you know, the last couple of years, due to th- due to Christmas, because we had so many other things going on, um, and I got a boatload of books to get to get out and and start on 2015. But I just want to say that you know everyone, everyone has listened to our show for the last few years, and especially this year. I want to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Uh, 2014 has been uh, up and down, I think, <laughs> uh, when it comes to uh, you know whether or not we we knew as a uh, as a country um, some things that are going on and um, and we really need to stop and look at our fellow person next to us and and actually say you know what. The most important thing is who is around us and how can we help others. And uh, this is my platform, and this is the way I feel. Um, and that's why I I allow people to come on and actually you know talk about their passions. And you know we don't charge for this. Um, it's a matter of giving back to the community that gives you know gives so much to me. Uh, I'm passionate about helping others and passionate about helping creative people. 
And really, that's what this particular show and what KWOD Radio is all about. So, those who wonder what KWOD is about, you want to say, you know, we have a newspaper. Um, I do a, a bi-monthly newspaper called The WAD. And I've read many say, well, what does that mean? And actually, uh, The WAD actually came out of uh author's website called Weavers of Dreams. And uh, isn't that what all creative people are? We're all weavers of our own dreams. And I think everyone has them. And I think that it is our duty as other passionate and, and gifted and uh, creative people to help other creative people who are passionate about their work you know, help them because it does come back to you. So with that, I want to say this is, this is my message for the year. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me know that you like the show. Um, thank you for continuing to go back in our archives and and listening to other shows from last year and year out, year before that. Uh, you guys are amazing. And uh, it's all because of you that we have our seventy nine over 79,000 listeners and that you share it with others and share it on Facebook and uh, love you all for it. So with that, I'm going to say good night and you guys have a great rest of the year and an awesome, awesome Christmas. This has been KWOD Radio, and we're signing out for today. See you guys soon.